0: Good morning. We've come back to We Need to Talk About uh, as a preaching series a couple of times in order to engage with significant issues in our society like racism, mental health and the problem of suffering in the world. Whilst there are many important things that we'd love to get to, one of the massive current issues is that of climate change and with the COP 26, that's Council of Parties uh, climate conference next month in Scotland, we wanted to take this opportunity to speak into it. In the face of mounting evidence about climate change due to the human impact on the environment, what does God through his word have to say to us? Does he care? And if you're a Christian here today, what role do we have to play Now, this is something that requires real maturity from us. I say maturity because we live at a time where intelligent debate is at a low ebb. Whenever opinion is sharply divided, people often just pick a side and treat those with opposing views with disdain. On this issue of climate change, some of you won't see it as an issue and will be questioning, why are we even talking about it on a Sunday? For others of you, this is vitally important, and you may have been wondering, why did it take us so long to get to it? We need to be mature in how we engage with this and how we talk about it. If you're part of this church, be Christ-like in your attitude and be gracious and mature in your responses. And I realise that in for me, trying to do justice to this issue I might be challenging people on both ends of the spectrum. I think that's okay if we seek to listen and allow people to follow their own conscience before God as He leads them. So let's start with some of those objections. As I said, some of you might be thinking, why are we even talking about this? What has the environment got to do with the gospel? Well, in one sense, I see where you're coming from. Whether you do your recycling or how big your carbon footprint is uh, doesn't determine your salvation or your standing before God. But that doesn't mean that it's completely irrelevant to your Christian life or how much you're loving God and how you're loving other people. And surely those things are an essential part of our faith to love God and to love our neighbour as ourselves. You see, the gospel isn't restricted to just one aspect of your life. It's not like an, a kind of on-off switch. Are you a Christian? You know, are you a disciple of Jesus or not? The gospel applies to the whole of your life and God cares about all of it. How you think, how you speak, how you handle your money, how you raise your children, how you steward what he's given you. I remember Uh, how challenging I found those things as a young Christian. God was challenging me again and again about my lifestyle. I'd been thinking, oh, I've just made a personal decision to follow Jesus. But I soon started to realise he wanted my whole life. To use an analogy, the gospel isn't just the steering wheel, it's the whole car. And whilst an issue like climate change isn't the whole car, it's not, it's not the most important thing, it's not the whole deal uh, and it's not even the steering wheel. Actually it is a crucial part of our lives and it is important. Many campaigners like Greta Thunberg and David Attenborough would say that this is the biggest crisis facing humanity. Now I think we would actually say sin is the biggest crisis facing humanity. But whatever your view or perspective on climate change, I think also our response to it might be different. Many campaigners are looking to shock us into action, uh, to get people to panic so that they'll take action to save the planet. God tells us as Christians to be in the world, but not of it. So our thinking isn't primarily shaped by what the world is saying, what the media speculation or even what scientists are saying. It should be shaped by what God says so that we can discern what is true and appropriate. As a Christian, I know I can't save anyone or anything, but I trust in Jesus, who is the saviour of the world. And of course, my devotion to him doesn't lead me to indifference about the plight of the planet or the people of the world. It should lead me to care deeply and take what responsibility I have seriously to show that proper care. And whatever your views on climate change and its consequences, there are millions of people who are deeply concerned and profoundly affected by it. And they're the very people that we want to share the gospel with. So we can't just stick our head in the sand about these kinds of global issues. There is a missional significance to it. If we say we care about people and the state of the world, we can't just stand by and ignore the issues people are grappling with. We should engage as part of our mission to reach people for Jesus. So what does God have to say to us and to the world around us about climate change? Genesis is the best place to start by way of grasping God's original intention for creation and his directions for humanity. I have the privilege of studying theology at the moment. uh, And one of the best things about it is I have a fresh kind of appreciation for God's word that the Bible is God's word. This is him speaking to us. It is true. It is powerful and it's life changing. And we need an attitude of reverence and awe as we read God's word together. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter one, starting at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Then skip down with me to verse 15 of chapter 2. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the wonder of all that you have made. Thank you that you made us, that you put your breath in our lungs. We ask you, Holy Spirit, come and illuminate God's word to us today. Let it shape our thinking and our heart attitudes. We pray that we would be more equipped to speak to the issues that people care about and be able to live in a way that honours you. Amen. So God has created everything. And He's said that it's very good. We did a series earlier this year in Genesis. So you may want to look back and have a listen. But this is the point in Genesis where God creates people. And straight away in verse 26, we see that we are made in God's likeness. Now, despite uh, the picture in our kind of collective human consciousness of an old God being like an old man with a white beard. God isn't like us. He is spirit. He can't be tied down to a particular appearance. He can't be defined by our limited imagination. He defines everything by himself. So how are we like him? There's something about our consciousness, our ability to think, to speak, to relate and communicate that reflects something of God. Verse 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Um, secondly, we're made to represent him. Verse 28 says, God blessed the man and the woman. They're to have children and multiply And until they fill the earth and God puts them in charge. They are to rule over all he has made on his behalf. Now, ruling doesn't mean to do whatever you want. Ruling means to tend and care for what has been entrusted to us. Verse 15 of chapter two says, God put the man in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So they were to be stewards of God's creation. Of course, we know Adam and Eve quickly got it wrong. They broke the one clear instruction that God had given them. And down through history, humanity has again and again shown a sinful desire to do things their own way that has had devastating consequences one particular aspect of this has been an accelerating consumption of the world's resources and a neglect of the impact that that is having on the global climate. Now, I first became aware of these kinds of issues uh, in the mid-1990s when I was doing uh, my geography A-level. At that time, there were theories about global warming due to greenhouse gases that people thought might result in melting ice caps and sea level rises. But there were also counter-arguments about a natural cycle of warming and cooling of the Earth over hundreds of years. Um, What we do know is the Earth is a delicately balanced living system. The seasons, the poles, the atmosphere, the tides, the ice caps, And science has shown that whilst there may be a natural cycle that the Earth goes through of warming and cooling, what has happened is human activity since the Industrial Revolution has had a disproportionate impact on global temperatures. This is shown in the IPCC report that was published this year, 2021. Uh, IPCC is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And that's the world's leading authority on climate science. That report shows that the planet is experiencing heating due to human activity. And as that happens, the results are marked. An article in The Guardian newspaper about the IPCC report said, it represents the world's full knowledge to date Of the physical basis of climate change and found that human activity was unequivocally the cause of rapid changes to the climate including sea level rises, melting polar ice and glaciers, heat waves, floods and droughts. Essentially creation is becoming something that we as humanity consume and treat like it's disposable. And some of us might say, well, what's the issue? Hasn't God put us in charge? We can do as we see fit. But this is where we live, where our children will live and where their children and hopefully children's children will live. We're just tenants on God's earth. We have the keys for the few years that we live here. Then it's someone else's turn. What kind of tenant is our generation going to be? Picture it this way. Imagine borrowing someone's house. It's a beautiful house of a, of a dear family friend and it's yours for life, for free, to live in and do as you please. Imagine how the owner would feel when it's time to give the keys back if the house was an absolute wreck. They might look at what was once a beautiful garden that is now overgrown with weeds. Imagine them looking at uh, a once lovingly decorated room uh, that is now neglected, paint flaking off the walls, damp coming through the ceiling. The kitchen that had been so homely and welcoming, now black with mould and smelling like a sewer. Don't you think... Can you imagine how the owner would feel? Don't you think they'd think that how you treated their house reflected on how you felt about them as a person? They might say, I thought you loved me. I thought you respected me. But this is how you've treated what I entrusted to you. And who's bearing the greatest consequences of how the planet is being treated. The effects of climate change as a result of how we're living are all too apparent. Those more extreme weather conditions, heavier rainfall and more extreme drought are often in areas where some of the world's poorest people live. Over the last Year, deadly floods and landslides have forced 12 million people from their homes in India and Nepal and Bangladesh. Two years ago, exceptionally heavy monsoon rains and intense flooding devastated lives. At one point, a third of the landmass of Bangladesh was underwater. Now, while some flooding is expected during monsoon season, scientists say, the region's monsoon rains are being intensified by rising sea surface temperatures in South Asia. And higher sea temperatures, also linked to climate change, have doubled the likelihood of drought in the Horn of Africa area. Severe droughts in 2011, 2017, 2019 have repeatedly wiped out crops and livestock. These have left 15 million people in Ethiopia, Kenya and Somalia in need of aid. People have been left without means to feed their families and have been forced from their homes. Millions of people are facing acute food and water shortages. Now, New Frontiers, the family of churches we're part of, has churches there. Uh, Edward Berea, who uh, cares for many churches in Africa is responsible or he and his churches are responsible for massive feeding programs now there would have been a time maybe a few years ago where people would have said it's just an act of god it's an unfortunate freak of nature but i think now we have to own up to the fact that human activity and the industrialization that has taken place over the last 250 years is having an undeniable impact on the climate and a disproportionately large effect on the people who live in the poorest nations of the world. So it's an issue of injustice. The Archbishop of Canterbury, the Pope and the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church made an unprecedented joint statement on climate change at the start of September this year. They said this, biodiversity loss, environmental degradation and climate change are the inevitable consequences of our actions, since we have greedily consumed more of the Earth's resources than the planet can endure, but we also face a profound injustice. The people bearing the most catastrophic consequences of these abuses are the poorest on the planet and have been the least responsible for causing them. People are suffering because of how we are living. We have a duty of care for God's creation and the people who live in it. How does it look if governments and campaigners are more conscientious and ethical than the church and we as Christians are being? So how do we engage? I think it's natural for each of us to think what difference can one person make? But think about this. Imagine if, say, a William Wilberforce had allowed that thought to stop him campaigning for the abolition of slavery. Or what if George Muller had thought, how can I possibly make a difference to all the orphans in Bristol? Or what if Mother Teresa had given up trying to care for lepers in Calcutta? Or if Jackie Pullinger had decided she wasn't up to God's call to try out gangs and drug addicts in Hong Kong, and so on and so on. You see, none of us and none of them were up to the task, but they made themselves available to be used by God, and we can do the same. And I think perhaps the main thing we have to offer is hope. If this is purely a human exercise to see whether we can avert climate disaster, then it feels pretty hopeless, doesn't it? But we trust in the one who made it all, who is right now sustaining everything by his powerful word. We believe he can change hearts. He can turn selfish, sinful people like me into agents of blessing. So we can come to him and ask him to change people's hearts. And that change can start in us. I want to take you back to that analogy i made earlier about the house but now let's uh, think of it through uh, a parable that jesus told do you know the parable of the tenants and the vineyard basically jesus explains the owner of a vineyard lets it out to some tenants but each time the owner sends his servants to collect the produce from the vineyard. The tenants beat that servant or even kill them. Eventually the owner decides to send his own son thinking surely they will respect my son but shockingly the tenants kill him as well because he's the rightful heir to the vineyard and they think well we can take it for ourselves now. That parable is all about God's kingdom and how we care for it. How God has sent his prophets again and again to warn people to produce fruit in keeping with his kingdom. But they haven't listened. Until God sends his own son, Jesus. He is the rightful heir of God's kingdom. The heavens and the earth belong to him. Yet, Even he was killed. But rather than that being the end of the story, Jesus's death has brought about a remarkable turnaround. He suffered the injustice of the cross on our behalf. And then he rose from the dead so that we can be free. Not free to just do whatever we want, but free from the power of sin because Jesus has dealt with it, free to make different choices, to live like him, empowered by his Holy Spirit, to be his representatives, to tend and care the way he would have us do it. The house that we're living in, the earth and all of creation, belongs to Jesus. One day he's going to come back And ask, how have we tended and cared for what he has given us? I want to be able to look him in the eye and be able to say, here it is, Lord. I did the best I could with what you gave me. That's my physical possessions. It's the things I buy, being responsible in the decisions I make about what I will use or consume and considering the impact and consequences on others not buying more than you need um, considering the impact of what you buy and what you eat and what you wear how you travel where you invest your money through all those different things we can live out our love for God and demonstrate that love to other people I know I need God's help I will always tend towards selfishness making choices that are most convenient and beneficial to me, not considering the cost to others. But I can come to God and humbly ask for him to change me by his spirit. You can pray. God, open my eyes to see, open my heart to care more. Even though we don't have all the answers, even though we don't know always what we should do, when we open ourselves up, God to lead us and speak to us, that's when our hearts are ripe for change. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you hold everything in your hands and that we don't need to panic or live in fear because we can trust you. Help us to be good stewards of all that you've given us and we pray for tangible progress to be made, particularly at the climate conference next month. Help the church play a key role in demonstrating what your kingdom and your loving care looks like for the world and everyone in it to see. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just a very quick uh, kind of thing to say. If If you feel like you want to think and engage more on the whole issue of climate change, here's a couple of things you can do. Uh, Alice Cleveley is running uh, a prayer group uh, that's praying into this whole issue uh, and you're really welcome to go along. Also, um, Alice and Ash George and myself are hosting a climate change conversation in a couple of weeks' time on Sunday evening Uh, the 17th of October at eight o'clock on Zoom Uh, and we'll be talking in more detail about what we can do personally and how we can positively engage in others so you'd be really welcome to come along.